Welcome to Stay Lifted Sis. For those that don't know me, I am Devin J. Hall, the Loudmouth Brown Girl. I've been on, I have been the LMBG for the last five years, but I've been training for this my entire life. I am an author, podcaster, writer, blogger, content creator, cat mom, daughter, sister, friend, ally, advocate, and adversary to anybody who believes that I should be taken down. So good luck with that. Today, my guest is my friend, Rachel Lee. Before we get started, we'd like to do our acknowledgement and our moment of silence. We respectfully acknowledge that we are blessed by the land upon which we gather, live, and connect. It is the traditional and unceded territory of the Coast Salish peoples, specifically the Kwantlen, the Katsi, the Semiamu, the Tawasan, and, and the Tawasan First Nations. We are nothing if we are not aware of that which came before. This show has a content warning for sex, childhood memories, cannabis use, and open swearing. So you may want to put it down until the little children aren't around, or you may want to rip your souls out, whichever. We no longer care. Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. I'm really excited because when you first came in um, to the group that we are both a part of on Facebook, uh, which I'm choosing, I'm choosing not to name because I don't want a bunch of randos to like join the group and destroy what we've created and what we have because it's such an amazing group of, of, of human beings. Um, but when you first joined, I was excited because I'm like, she's young like me. You're doing branding. And there's lots for me to learn from you. So tell us a little bit about what you do and who you are, and then we will get into the fun stuff. Totally. Um, so a little bit about me. My name is Rachel, and I'm a personal brand strategist based in Vancouver, Canada, on the West Coast, the beautiful West Coast um, over here. And a lot of the work that I do involves helping people capture what they're like in person, and then translate that into an online space. And so a lot of that magic comes when you go onto someone's social profile, and you've never met them before, and you do one scroll, and you know exactly who they are, what they do, and you know what their vibes are. So before you even hop onto that first call, you know exactly what you're expecting. And it's almost creepy because a lot of the work that I do with my clients, a lot of the feedback that I've gotten is, wow, like people are hopping onto calls with me and talking to me as if they already know me when I've never met them before in my life. That's how powerful personal branding can be if you do it the right way. That part is so creepy to me because it tells me that I'm, I'm right on point for like where I should be with my personal branding for Loudmouth. But by the same token, when people come up to me in the street, they're like, oh my God. And they, they start talking to me like we're old friends. And I'm like, hi, so uh, who the hell are you? <laughs> How do you know me? And it freaks me out a little bit, but it's also kind of cool because it means that like what we're doing is working. So that's exciting. Exactly. So before this, what were you doing um, before you decided to start your own company? That is a great question. And so I started my company three years ago. Before that, I was actually doing graphic design at a marketing company. I was basically the art kid growing up. And all my life, I knew that I wanted to create things for people for a living. I didn't know exactly what that would look like. And as a kid, I thought, I would love to be a graphic designer. Wouldn't that be so cool? So I landed myself an opportunity doing graphic design at a marketing company weeks within the job I realized that I actually hated it and I didn't know what else to yeah. do it was one of those unfortunate situations where you build up your expectation and you have this dream and then you reach what you think your dream is and then you realize that it's actually not the right fit for you and it's yeah. the most disappointing feeling where you're in a situation and you don't you haven't planned anything beyond that point I was yeah. what was I I was like 23 24 at that time and I felt lost I'm like okay, well, I'm not happy doing this. Well, what else do I do? And so I ended up doing what a lot of creatives end up doing, which is looking into freelancing and trying to find my own projects on the side, meeting new people, trying on new projects and doing the scrappy way of trying to make a living without any sort of supportive structure from an employer or, you know, I was just trying to create my own opportunities. And it got to this point where I couldn't stand my job anymore. So I basically quit. And I quit before, honestly, in hindsight, before I was ready, because I started doing the freelancing thing full time, thinking that I knew what business was when I actually did it. They don't teach art kids business in art school, to say the least. And so I ended up floundering around really badly for the first year, trying to do the thing that I thought that I loved. 
but without the supportive skills to actually make it happen. I didn't have marketing skills. I didn't have sales skills. And so I ended up having a really bad time for the first year of my business. And it was all because I was trying to search for something that lit me up. But the reality of what it became was that I was barely scraping goodbye with my finances. It was really hard to get opportunities. And I didn't know how to do business. I'm, I'm a soft, squishy art kid. I'm sensitive. My feelings get hurt easily. And getting into the world of business without any sort of supportive guidance to help you understand what you should be expecting, it was a really rough and bumpy ride. And so uh, just sort of fast forward a little bit. I had a lot of experimentation in the first year and then the pandemic hit and we all know what happened when the pandemic that that okay see that part pissed me off because when the pandemic hit i was like i'm right on target i'm where i'm supposed to be i have everything set up everything that i want to add to the website i will be able to add to the website in this next year and then joe biden was like pandemic and i went there goes my business because my whole marketing plan was going to events and like handing out the love letters and actually talking to people and being around people. That was my marketing budget. And so Mm. everything went into that. And then when the pandemic hit and everything shut down, there were no events to go to. So there was no marketing of Loudmouth Brown Girl, but it was a twisted ending because that allowed me the last two years to write a book and to actually like when you look at the website now it's everything I wanted in year one is on there now wow which is like crazy because I was like this is so much work it's never gonna happen but over the last five years that's what so that was a weird time for me too is what I'm saying because that was a moment where I was like this is it I got it and the universe was like nope no you don't And it's funny how it works, isn't it? Because everyone was on route to something, you know, whether it was a specific career path, so many people got laid off, whether if it was your business, you had a five-year plan, everything got slashed, the world had to massively rearrange itself. And we all had to adapt. And it was the same thing even for my business too, where I remembered it was at the start of the second year of my business. And it was at that point, actually, where I had decided for myself, I'm tired of working alone. I want to partner together with some other people. I miss working together with people where I get to bounce ideas and get creative um, and just add my skill to a pool of other people's uh, skills. You know, I want I want my own team of Avengers. That's basically what that feeling was like. Yes. Right? Yes. I had just hopped on board to a, a joint venture with um, one of my friends who was co-founding an insurance brokerage and it was local, a brick and mortar business. And I was two weeks into, no, not two weeks, two months into that opportunity. And that's when the pandemic hit. And I had already let go of all my design clients before that. I was just focusing on this joint venture. And I had picked the worst industry because the finance industry is a fossilized industry. It's super traditional and it was all reliant on foot traffic and they still fax policies. And and we were, it felt like being caught with our pants down. When the pandemic happened, none of us knew what was going on. All right. So we just take a short break because humans came home. And to the thing where they needed to get in the house. Um, So when you started your business and the pandemic hit and you were in this industry where like everything was old fashioned and it was not what you were learning to do or what you had learned to do, what happened? Like what? Because that to me is like, that's like stepping off a cliff, expecting that there's going to be another step and there's nothing there. Yeah, what it felt like was free falling and I had to grow my wings on the way down. (laughs) It was honestly terrifying because none of us really knew what to do. And so in a situation like that, where there is no right answer, we ended up hitting Google and trying to figure out, okay, well, how does a business like ours digitize all of our systems and processes and basically learning how to tread water when we just got dumped into the pool. And so we ended up digitizing the entire marketing and sales system. We ended up building a call center so that we didn't rely on foot traffic anymore. We built sales scripts. And for the marketing system, we actually ended up taking everything 
online. So we did a rebrand, we revamped the website, and we set up a lead generation system using Facebook ads. And I was totally new to any of this stuff before that too. And there was a part of me that even doubted, like, is it even possible to get leads for insurance off of Facebook? Like who buys insurance off of Facebook? Apparently a lot of people. surprised. Yeah. Like there were so many limiting beliefs that I had that got blown out of the water within a few short months where we had to scramble and just try a whole bunch of things that we had no guarantee of finding out if it worked until it worked. And it was scary because all of our, like our, our finances were on the line. It was like the only stream of income. And this was the period right before government aid kicked in. So it was very, very scary um, during that period of time. So yeah, that was, that was a huge learning experience to say the least. I want to go off on a a whole different topic because um, for a variety of reasons, Namely, the fact that you are an Asian woman in Canada. Um, And during the pandemic, we saw a lot of anti-Asian hate. And during that time, my friend Michelle um, from the States started a hashtag called Very Asian. She got a phone call and it was this woman being like, could you just be less, could you just be less Korean? And Michelle was like, I am very Asian and I am very proud. And she started this whole thing. She ended up on Ellen. She, and I'm like, I'm sitting there and I watched her tweet the very first tweet. And I was like, yes, I'm in this. What do we do? Let's make this famous because you are my friend and I love you. And I hate that this is happening. And this is like online digital marketing of messages of love and acceptance and, and enjoyment of thyself and thy culture is something that Loudmouth Brown Girl is completely about. So I said that to her and she went, I love you. Let's do this. So I didn't do a thing. I did nothing. Let me clarify this. But that was her response to everybody was, I love you. Let's do this. So very Asian, the hashtag on Twitter blew up and people from Japan and Africa and Egypt and like everywhere were tweeting and sharing videos of people eating dumplings and being very Asian. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever because we'd had like a whole year of nothing but anti-Asian hatred and violence and just like nothing but evilness. And here comes along this hashtag that is showing people how to make dumplings and different ingredients and and sharing the culture of Asian hoods. And you are somebody that I admire, that I respect, that I look up to, that I'm inspired by. And you happen to be an Asian person and you talk about mental health. And so I'm curious, how did all of this negativity affect your mental health while you were starting your new business and, and kind of free falling at the same time with everything else going on? Yeah, it was honestly really difficult because when, you know, before the pandemic, I know people were already struggling. And on top of that, when the pandemic hit, even the most stable people I knew in my life were going through hardship. And so it was almost like a free for all where we realized that we all have to find our own path. Like I have friends who got laid off and they weren't able to find employment for like at least a year afterwards. And the mental struggle that they went through was totally different. For me, I was in the period of searching where it wasn't just that insurance company. I actually ended up hopping from venture to venture trying to find something that lit me up. And I think the hard thing was that nobody was making money at that time. And every venture that I hopped onto, it's like being perpetually stuck in a startup phase. You don't ever make any money on top of the fact that no one's making money right now. And you're always in this loop of desperation. And so the the hard thing is, is that I would have wanted to enjoy my ex, my period of exploration. It's fun and awesome and exciting. You get to try different opportunities and work with different people if your financial needs are being met. And if you're able to put food on say, the table and take care you of yourself. If you yourself, then yes, hopping around and exploring new things is fun. But if you're wondering like, where's the next paycheck coming from? It is not that fun. I remember um, when Joe Biden announced the pandemic, literally all of my friends who deal with anxiety and depression started laughing and they were like, oh, now you're all going to understand. 
and it was funny for a minute. It was funny for like a minute. It was like a moment of bonding between all of us who had already been at home and who had already been working at home, realizing everybody else was not going to be at home. And like, how are we going to deal with that situation? And so in that way, it put a huge light, I feel like, on mental health. But by the same token, a lot of people suffered. Yeah. And died. Yeah. We lost millions of people. Like, and it's so weird because I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, this is the beginning to Spider-Man No Way Home. <laughs> like this whole conversation is so art imitating life, imitating art. And it's, yeah. it's very surreal being in this moment where we're like, we're still in a pandemic, but we're not in a pandemic. Like it's, it, it's, it's just not going away. Like it's, it's not a pandemic anymore. It's just life. It is. And it even going off topic for a little bit, um, speaking to my Asian background, uh, both of my parents actually recently just flew back to Hong Kong to take care of one of my relatives. And I have relatives there who are updating me on the situation. And it's weird because in North America, we know the pandemic is still here, but we live our lives as if it's not. But actually in Asia, in Hong Kong, it's totally different. They're still in lockdown. They have different protocols that they have to follow. And it, it's, it's scary because I even hear news about people who openly um, go against the quarantine restrictions. People get arrested and get put in jail for a year for breaking these rules. It is actually terrifying and scary. That is the reality that some of these people yeah. still live in. And the only reason that I know is because I'm hearing about this through my relatives who live in that place. They don't broadcast this on the media. Nobody ever really talks about it. But this is actually a reality that other people are currently still existing in on the other side of the world. Yeah, I think that the pandemic, one of the things the pandemic did is it really opened up the ways that we communicate with each other and what we talk about, you know, like you're seeing a lot more men come out and talk about being transgender um, and talking about their journey and their experience and sharing like this is where I was before the pandemic. And here I am now because they saw so many people die. They see what's happening in Hong Kong or in Australia or in New Zealand or in Paris and they're going I might not have that much time to be who I want to be. And so we're seeing a lot more women come out and being like, I'm transgender or I'm non-binary or I just came out a couple of months ago and said, I'm non-binary and I refuse to pick a gender anymore. And people are like, well, then you can't be the loudmouth brown girl. And I went, but I am, I am all things and nothing. And like people are becoming more accepting of who they are instead of trying to live up to this ideal of who, they're supposed to be and it's both beautiful but it's also like what <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah. like it's it's like it's this weird catch 22 yeah I feel like it the pandemic has given us almost an excuse to start having conversations that we were too scared of having before the pandemic and even like looking at my friend circle I do know friends who during this period of time, they became a lot more vocal about the fact that they were struggling about their sexuality. Everyone started talking about things that they had kept to themselves before. And I think it's cool that we've actually started this trend of just becoming more open and transparent because everyone is struggling with something and it's okay and it's normal. And the more that we talk about it, the better we're all able to provide support for each other. And one of the things as I think about it, it, just in reflection on the topic of mental health, I actually, during this period of time when the pandemic was in full swing and in North America, when we were still experiencing lockdowns, I got news from the pastor from my old church that I went to in my childhood that one of the uh teens, I would say, or young adults um, that was there. And, and I, knew, I knew her personally. Um, she committed suicide. And it was someone that I knew from my childhood. And when I heard the news, I didn't want to believe it. And it's hard to imagine, especially within a setting and a supportive community, you know, the church is a community that someone can be experiencing so much pain that they decide to take their own life. And 
it was very painful for me to hear that because it was almost like reality coming around and slapping us in the face and saying, people need more support. Even people who are in a dedicated support group can still be suffering. And it is not okay for us to stay silent about it. And that was one of the things that I remembered very clearly at close to the start of the pandemic that really like brought reality very, very up close. And I had to face it and realize, hey, well, what am I doing with my life? And what are some things that I want to say that other people would benefit from me being open about sharing? So it's it's interesting. Yeah, this is something that I wanted to share on the topic of mental health because silence is the thing that kills us. It really is. And I think that when it comes to, I've heard it so many times, like I've I've been on a radio show where I, uh, Red FM actually, which you would know from being in Vancouver, um, years and years ago when I was 23 and they were, oh, we don't talk about people who are brown being in gangs. Well, okay, well now we have a bunch of young brown kids killing each other. We don't talk about Asian kids being in gangs. Well, the store down the street for myself, which for my house, which happens to be Asian owned, a family I know and I love, busted with millions of dollars worth of fentanyl. Um, and their young family now, being involved in gang life and like it's not that we don't talk about it outside these communities and it's not that we don't talk about it inside these communities everybody's talking about it whether it's mental health or gang life or sex abuse or cannabis use or drug use or whatever it is we're all talking about it we're just not talking to each other and I think the pandemic has brought us to this place where we're finally starting to actually talk and listen to each other and hear each other Yes, we've lost a lot of people to suicide, and that is tragic and horrible, but we've also had a lot of people who have chosen not to commit suicide, myself being one of them. I have a tattoo on my shoulder that says killed by death, and when I got it, my artist was like, I can't believe you're making me do this to you, and it was like, dude, one of our best friends committed suicide. I'm not going out that way. Like, I I refuse, and so I get out of the shower every day. I look at my shoulder, and I remember that was your choice. You were not going out that way. And I know that there are people that listen to my show that come to the website. They haven't chosen to end their lives. And so it's like, I can't help you if you make that decision, but if you choose not to, I'm here a hundred percent. I'm here. Right. And I think that that is, I'm seeing a lot more of the words I'm here and what do you need? And I'm listening and what can we do as opposed to get over it and it's going to be okay and just go for a walk, which I think is kind of sort of cool in a, again, a weird, a weird way. Anyway, let's talk about something fun. You're a lady. The pandemic was crazy. There were a lot of nights that um, we got away with going like, In my early 20s, staying home on a Friday and Saturday night was social suicide, right? In my 30s during the pandemic, it was like, (laughs) I don't have to make any excuses. We're in a pandemic. Nothing's open. I don't have to make sure my nails are done. I don't have to go buy an expensive outfit. I don't have to get my hair done. I don't have to do my makeup. I can sit in sweats, eat ice cream, jump on French fries and nachos and fart and not do anything and not care. What was your moment, your guilty pleasure? Like, oh yeah, okay, this is okay with me right now. (laughs) I totally love that. And I totally resonate with it because (laughs) I think it's even coined a thing. It's called pandemic fashion now, where it's okay to see people walking around in a supermarket in their PJs. Yeah, like honestly, most of the time. I swear to God, Stacey Lennon's head must have exploded when she saw CNN do that special on like all the video chats and what people were wearing. Like her head must have just been like, no, you cannot like even in. It's crazy. And I honestly, I really enjoyed it. It came at a prime time because I was in that phase with my business, especially when the pandemic hit, where I needed to be full focus mode. So honestly, regardless if the pandemic was there or not, I would have been still locked up in my basement behind my computer, front in the keyboard, trying to just 
run the combination to find something that works. And so it actually made me in a very weird sense, happy that I wasn't the only one who was in isolation because everyone else was too. Dude, and so it I almost felt up. like I'm permissible to be <laughs> like that. <laughs> I would get up, roll out of bed, order coffee, wait till it got here and start working as soon as it got here. Like as soon as I had my coffee in my hand, that was it. It was like down to work. And then I wouldn't look up until eight or nine o'clock at night. Yeah. And it's weird yeah. working in the same room where you sleep and you eat there too. It's like your bedroom becomes your workspace and everything. Just no, sort of no. I have, I have a strict rule. No technology in bed unless it's music. Oh, so, that's amazing. Yeah. Living room is for where my work office is. Bedroom is where I sleep and do all of my private meditations and things. But the two shall never mix. I'm not allowed. I refuse because there were so many Zoom meetings. And I was like looking into people's bedrooms. And then I would go to sleep at night and I would be like, seeing their bedroom and it would be in my head and I would like picture them going to sleep and like doing other things and it was so uncomfortable that I stopped doing zoom for a while because I was like you people need to like not be in your bedroom there needs to be a boundary I'm cool with seeing a home office I am not cool with seeing where you sleep like I I don't need to see this and that was a mental health boundary for me was there any moments in zoom where you were like no that didn't happen, like that just made you go, I need to set up a boundary myself. I feel like it had a lot to do with the fact that doing Zoom meetings allows you to overstock your schedule. You know how you could go from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting, back to back to back. You don't have to plan travel time. You don't need to plan yeah. in any of those other things. And at first I thought, oh, wow, this is amazing. You know, the productive part of my brain was so happy. I'm like, I could talk to so many people in a day. And then I very quickly realized that it's not about how many people I could stuff into my schedule because my human battery drained so much more quickly. And I very quickly burnt myself out with especially this whole Zoom thing where I did that thing where I would do back to back to back to back call. And by the time I get to the second or even third person, I'm gas beyond gas. I don't have energy to get to them. And it was so immensely tiring because we could meet people in such rapid succession. Now we have a hard time dedicating the amount of time and space and energy and presence needed to really sit with and be fully present with a person. And that's something that I very quickly realized that I needed to carve out intentionally. And so whenever I have Zooms, I have at least an hour buffer time before and after so that I can make sure I reset and I'm present and I'm human with a person that I'm about to meet with. And I treat it with the same amount of presence as I would if I were meeting someone in person for coffee. I, I try my best anyway, but it is hard. It's so easy to You're overstuff right. your schedule. You hit on a really good point because I didn't think about that because I was doing like sister sessions and then I would be doing education stuff and then I would be doing quick stuff and then I'd be doing blah, 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 blah. And so I would have maybe three or four Zooms a week plus our group meetings even before you join the group um, on the Wednesdays. So I would have three or four meetings during a week and then I would be doing my own stuff. And it was like, I'm exhausted. Like my whole head was turning white from just being exhausted and I couldn't figure it out for the longest time and I'm sitting here and I'm like that's what it is it was not having a time after because you would go from like doing a zoom meeting with somebody right to then going and doing your own stuff and not taking time for lunch or to go to the bathroom or to get a cup of coffee or to walk around even like to just get a few seconds of exercise in yeah. And it's crazy because it got to that point where I would forget to eat because it's so easy to go from thing to thing to thing because everything I need to do exists in this little rectangle I call my laptop. Yeah. And it's our window of connection to the world. And everything is so easy. One click and I could get back to an email, another click and I can connect with a person. My butt doesn't have to leave this chair. And it's both the blessing and the curse of the way that we've constructed all of our online businesses now, because yeah. we forget, 
oh crap, I got to move my body. Oh crap, I need to eat. Or, oh shit, I've actually been staring at this screen for the past eight hours and I haven't given myself a break. Like your eyes I've been, hurting, I've done like 15 headaches. hours and I've had somebody come into my house and be like, up now, let's go. Like, I know you're tweeting, but I also know you're working. Like it's time to go to bed. Like, let's, let's go. Um, yeah. And so I've, I've had those moments where I've been like, wait a minute, it's three o'clock in the morning and I actually haven't done anything other than work all day. Yeah. And it's definitely not good for your mental health when your head is always stuck in the same rut of work, 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 productivity, productivity, stuff it in, stuff it in, like as much as you can with as little time as possible. It, I feel like it almost allows us to lean way too far into this culture of burnout. And it's like hustle culture, especially as we both have our own businesses. We understand that there is a specific mindset that goes with entrepreneurship that if you lean too far one way is unhealthy. And if you lean too far the other way is also unhealthy. You know, you go too far into hustle hard, just like just have some grit, push harder, work those 16 hour days and over glorifying the fact that a lot of our identities are totally based off of the work that we do, which isn't healthy. And then you have the other far side of it where I have a lot of friends who are super spiritual and all they do is believe and trust, but they don't take action. And then that's like the other far side. And I feel like it's so important for us to find a healthy balance based on the path that we're trying to weave to take a healthy balance between taking action, but also making sure you take care of yourself. It's like that you can't I just live life feel like you're both. selling uncomfortable too for me because that's basically what the book is about, right? The whole book yeah. is like, it's mental health first, it's content creation second, and then it's very, very, very brief um, explanation of like how you get your business started. Yeah. Very brief. Like I didn't go into that at all because that's not my job. It's not my job to teach you how to start your business. There are other people for that. I will recommend them to you. Kendra Vice being one of them. She's amazing. Google her. She's phenomenal. Look her up. She'll help you get your business going. Um, you being another one is somebody that I would recommend for people who are looking for brand strategists, because I know you, I've talked to you. I've heard you give advice. Um, I often, Marshall's going to laugh when he hears this, but I often go in asking questions I already know the answer to when we do our group chats every week, just because A, there's not always a question. And B, I'm like, what would you guys do? Like, I want to know what, like my, my, I guess my cohorts in this group would um, do, because I know that we're going live and people are listening. Right. And it's like, I know you have that education. I know you have that. And it's like, I'm pulling it out of you because I want to see you show people what you're capable of. Right. Um, and you do that so beautifully. I was nervous. Cause I was like, this whole conversation is going to be just like me asking questions, but like, I like, I love talking to you. I just enjoy it. Thank you. And I'm so happy that we got connected. It goes to show that regardless of who you meet on your journey and regardless of the connection that you have, there's always something that comes out of it. You know, every time I go into a networking event, even if there's no way that I could collaborate with somebody, well, guess what? We get to be awesome business buds. And once in a while, I'll poke you and say, hey, how are you doing? Like, how are you actually doing? And we get to support each other that way. You know, yeah. it doesn't always have to be as strict as, hey, what kind of audience are you looking for? I'll send a referral your way. It's not so static as that. Like human beings, we connect and we help and support each other on so many different levels, such as this. We, we get to collab on a podcast now. Yeah. And who knows, down the line, this might help someone else and they might pass it on to somebody who really needs to hear it. Like everything is so interconnected that I don't think it's as black and white as, okay, how many business cards did I collect at this networking event? How many referrals can I get? It, life doesn't work that way. So why should business? Because business for me is just an extension of life. It's how I want to contribute to this planet. And it's how I want to create my impact and help people. That's why I started my business. It's not a money thing. I need money to survive. And I do want to make enough to take care of myself and the people I love around me. But for me, first and foremost, well, I'm impact. a writer. I gave up the idea of making money years ago. I was like, that's never going to happen. That's I'm either going to marry rich or win rich. Like I'm, I'm, I'm well aware. I'm never going to be a wealthy writer, but that was never my intent. My intent was 
I wanted to tell my story. I wanted to help other women tell their story. I wanted to help other non-binary people tell their story. I wanted to help other poly people tell their story. And I needed to learn how to tell my story before I was able to tell anybody else's. Right. And so like joining groups where I'm meeting local business owners, such as yourself, who are young entrepreneurs who are open to, um, I don't want to say sexual identity, but I will say like human identity because I don't think our identity is solely sexual based. Um, that was so important to me during the pandemic. Like you mentioned collaboration earlier. Um, finding that group was huge because it was like, I was at a loss. Like I want to start my own business. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I can't afford business programs. HubSpot is probably one of, um, for those of you listening, because we are talking about branding today, HubSpot is probably one of the best agro websites I've ever come across in my life. There's everything. HubSpot University, you can teach yourself to run a multi-million dollar business for free. Like I'm convinced that's how Jeff Bezos did it because there's so much information. Um, when you have questions and you're like looking around, what are you looking for when you're looking for people that you want to collaborate with or companies or brands or organizations? And more importantly, yeah. let me just interrupt there. Like when I say what you're looking for, um, like who are you looking for? What are the kind of people that Rachel Lee is wanting to work with? That is a really good question. And it's funny because I'm always refining the answer to that even for myself and the answer is highly dictated based on the person that I am because we're always evolving right the version that I was last week is totally different from the version that's standing before you today oh yeah no an hour ago right yeah yeah (laughs) and and next week it's going to be different too and it if I think about people as magnets what you what you are will attract a certain type of person and since I'm always evolving the type of person I'm looking to attract will always be different. And it's not as static as, you know, the typical businessy answer of what's your target audience. Honestly, at this no, point, because our target I, audience is not the same as who we want to work with. Like I want to work with you because I think you're smart. I think you're dedicated. I think you're inspiring. I don't think of you as my target audience because I'm not an Asian woman. Like, and, and, and not to refine you to just one part of who you are, but Asian culture is very different from black culture. And so when I'm talking about like what I'm going through as a woman of color, it's not the same as what you're going through as a woman of color. The only thing that we have in common is that we are physically women of color, right? And that we both like working online, but like, other than that, it's not the same. And I want to clarify that because there are a lot of bloggers out there who are like, well, I want to be a blogger or I want to be a brand strategist. But like you have 400 followers, my dear, if you want to be a brand strategist, you need to know the difference between what your audience is and who you want to work with. Because those are two different questions. Exactly, exactly. And I think the cool thing is, is that just because you can help a lot of people doesn't mean you should. Like you should always work together with the people that make your heart sing. Every time you get a message from them, it's not that like thinking gut feeling of, ah, shit. Like you want to work with people that the moment their name pops up on your phone, you're like, oh my God, what did they say now? Right? Like, I, you I, work with those types I of literally people. get that whenever you message me, I'm like, oh, yay. <laughs> That's so amazing. And exactly like, honestly, like the people that I love working together with tend to be creative people. They get easily excited about ideas. There's always something that they want to be bringing into the world. And they tend to be very vibrant and colorful in just the energy that they put out. They're very straightforward. They're very unapologetic. Sometimes and oftentimes they do have a bit of a potty mouth and they don't really apologize for it. They've got a wicked sense of humor. I think she's talking about me. I can't be sure. That's why we're catting. Feels like she's talking about me. Say, if you want to flatter me, you can just tell me that I'm amazing. You are, and that's why we're. I was trying to work in a swear word there, but it just didn't. It just didn't fit in the right fucking place. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) There you Uh, go. 
I, I love you. I think you're fascinating. I think you're phenomenal. And for so many reasons, because you are like, you're young, you're entrepreneurial, you're brand new. You're not brand new. You have all these exciting ideas. You are inspiring. You are inspired. What, um, when you get up in the morning, what's kind of like one of the first things you're like, this is what I'm excited about to do today. I would love to share about the one thing that is my compass. And I feel like after having done this for three years, learning about the world of business and having been in proximity to all of the other things, you know, status and power and clout. And the only thing that honestly makes me happy every morning is knowing that I am one step closer to becoming a person that I'm happy with when I look at myself in the morning. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's huge because money doesn't buy that. I want to look at myself in the morning and every day I want to get one step closer to being like, yes, I love you. I am proud of you. And I am so happy and I would not trade anything to be anyone else. And I'm working towards that every day. And even though I am happy when I look at myself in the mirror, I know that there's always more, you know, I want to help more people. And I do want to get to that place where I'm comfortable saying I am happy with the amount of money that I'm making because I know that I'm going to use it and I'm just going to pour it back into the business. I'm going to pour it into the lives of the people that I love. Like I want to be able to have the capacity to give back and I'm just getting started with growing. And so it's not ever any monetary mark. It's not any milestone with my business. It's just, I want to become happier and happier with the person that I become. And I want to become better at making decisions that line me up with that path. I I agree with you hundred percent. It's funny because somebody asked me the other day, they're like, what do you fantasize about when you're in your (laughs) private moments? And I was like myself and he's like, really? And I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm amazing. Do you know all the shit that I survived? Like, do you know what I have been through to get to this point? You walk in and you see a little laptop on a couple of pizza boxes because that makes it easier on my wrist. And you don't understand that, like, what I've put into this brand is sexy. It's beautiful. It's inspiring. It's like, look at my swag. That shit is sexy. It glows in the fucking dark. It's beautiful. It is taking years to get where I am. Of course, I fantasize about myself. I'm amazing. And five years ago, I would not have said that. I would have been like, oh, you know, Chris Evans. Today, I'm like, who? Like, it's all about me now. And that is the first time in my life I've ever been able to say that, that it's all about me. And so when I shaved my head, it was hilarious because everyone was like, oh, that's a choice. And I was like, yeah, and it's fucking sexy, isn't it? Like, how many black girls do you know with bald hair? None. But you know, a hundred with purple hair or green hair or blue hair, I am an original. Like I enjoy myself today. And that's because like you, I made the decision to be like, I'm not happy. And I'm not going back to unhappy. Like I refuse. Yeah. And I think that's honestly so beautiful. And I mean, yes, sure. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I honestly love it. I mean, I think part of it comes from the fact that I studied in art school and basically all of my friends were in the LGBTQ community where we, by default, people in art school are not linear thinkers at all. We tend to be like atypical and we don't go under labels because we are totally, we live outside the box. Our existence is outside of the box. We don't see no box, you know, it, it doesn't, there's no It doesn't exist. And, It doesn't exist. And I think that the more that people understand that that could be you, right? Like we we go through life and society thinking that we need to conform to this version of us that they're trying to market and sell to us. And we try it on for size and we're like, oh, maybe this will fit. And we all realize that there is no pre-manufactured version of you that exists out there that's going to make you happy. You have to figure that out for yourself. And until you try on that straight jacket of this version of you that the media is trying to sell you, you won't realize that it, this isn't a good fit. You know, it's a little too tight around the chest. It doesn't fit my butt or whatever it is. And then you have to craft your own identity. Otherwise you will actually never be happy. (coughs) Sorry. 
Yeah. <laughs> the show is Taylor Smoke to Joy and Sue Me. Um, <laughs> I always do that's gonna hit you real good. I start coughing and I usually don't cough on the air, but that's okay. I feel like so many of us in our later 30s are coming to this place where it's like, wait a minute, holy shit. We don't have to be the Sweet 16 version of like the John Hughes version that we grew up with. Like I was at an event the other night. I was wearing a purple dress and a black shawl. It was really cute and black combo boots. And I was like, oh yeah, this is me. <laughs> and I couldn't get a picture of myself like full length in the dress with the boots. But I was like, this is like, this is the girl who is at the beginning of the movie right? And she's the sidekick. She's never the girl in the story. And in my story, I'm the girl in the purple dress with the camo boots, wearing the, the cigarette in one hand and the joint in the other, and I'm loving it. And so many people are coming into that phase where they're like, oh yeah, yep, that's me. I did that. And it's really cool to witness and to be a part of. And that's where I get my inspiration from, you get yours from art school and from like finding yourself. And I think that that's really neat because it means that we have a lot in common. Is there anything that you would like looking back at your younger self? Do you have any moments where you just shake your head and go, Oh honey, that was a choice. <laughs> totally. And it's funny you ask this because I like to see my life as split into two halves. Yeah. And the version that stands before you today is post-transformation. Before transformation, I was the good straight-A church girl who yeah. listened to everything that her parents told her, who drank the Kool-Aid. I drank the whole tub of Kool-Aid from the church. Don't feel bad. I did that society. too. I did, I did not have straight A's, but I was a good I was a good church girl. And I disappointed the entire planet and God. And all of God's minions when I got my first tattoos. Um, and Lucifer is laughing now that I have shaved my head. So you are not alone. Yeah. And, and it's funny because I went through all of that without questioning it. Yeah. And I was happy in that time. I, you know, like what you don't know, you don't know. And at that point in time, that was my worldview entirely. And it wasn't until I would say one heartbreak moment where everything sort of just shattered. And I realized, oh, the world is actually so much bigger. And this one little box and this one little pool that I've been splashing around in, I can't help and reach the people that I actually want to reach by staying here. I actually need to go out. And at first I thought, oh, the church was in my mind, the vehicle that I would use to help people. I was, I don't tell a lot of people this, but I was actually en route to becoming a long-term missionary after I graduated from university. I, I was that kid who taught Sunday school. I led small group. I did Bible study. I was going to study seminary and become a long-term missionary because I wanted to literally do that thing where it's like go off to Africa and feed the hungry children. Because I saw that there was a need and I thought that the vehicle of the church was what was going to take me there. And it wasn't until I realized that that's limited in scope and I needed to do more. And I was just thinking small. And so I actually had to step outside of that. And what my business is today, is just an extension of me still wanting to carry out that same mission to create impact, but doing it differently. You know, I hope to help impact the world deeply one person at a time, because I feel like that's where change really starts one person at it's, a time. It's so funny because we have such similar pasts. Like I grew up in the church. Um, and yeah. when we moved, when we were in Calgary, it was Catholic. And when we came here, it was Anglican and then it was Lutheran, but the church as a entity as an existence of like God has always been a part of our life. And, um, learning to advocate for other people happened in the church. But when I left, I, I was like, I was devastated. I was like, I'm never going to be able to help people again. And then somebody came to me after I wrote my first book and they were like, you're part of my healing journey. And I went, were you on crack? Because that's, because that's what I was used to. I was used to working with people who had been using crack or heroin or meth. And so I was like, what part of your healing journey am I on that you're coming to me? 
And they went, no, I just read your book and it, it's part of my journey now. It's taught me a lot. And I went, oh, okay. And that was when the light bulb hit. It was like, okay, I can still do advocacy. It's just going to be different than what it was. It's not going to be in the church, but I'm still going to be speaking to the things that matter to me and that are important to me through my branding. And that's, it's possible to have, you know, faith in God and faith in yourself and faith in business and faith in the world all at the same time, which was a huge, huge learning curve for me. Yeah. And it it is huge because it wasn't until after I left the church that I actually started to put myself in proximity with the people that I really wanted to help. And I actually allowed myself to hang out in the world a little bit. And my friends that I wanted to help, they were struggling with addiction. They were smoking, they were vaping, they were doing all sorts of things that was just a temporary plug that wasn't actually addressing the deeper issues. And I wasn't able to help them until I actually allowed myself just to be there with them. And so for a little while, like I lived with two roommates and basically most of the time they were just smoking weed. We were all trying to start up our businesses. We were all struggling with our own, fighting our own demons of doubt inside our head, feeling self-conscious, struggling with our own sense of self-worth and, you know, using all of these things to numb those voices. And it wasn't until I put myself in proximity with that, that I realized that one of the best things that you can do to help somebody even in situations like that is just to sit there and be with them and say like, Hey, I see you. I know you're working through this and I'm here and you are stronger than you think that you are. And it's going to be okay right? Like sometimes people just need you to sit there and be with them. And instead of what I was always taught in the church, which was, it's your job to fix people. I'm like, no, it's not. Everyone's job is to fix themselves. And you are only responsible for yourself. You can't carry other people's burdens for them. It doesn't work like that. But the best thing that you can do is come alongside them on that journey. So they feel a little more supported and a little less alone. Right. I posted on Twitter the other day that, um, if and when I choose to choose a partner, it'll be somebody that knows how to carry my luggage, but doesn't need to, right? Like you need to understand I am not a mentally healthy person. I've been through a lot. I am like a soldier. I have some PTSD. I've got some shit to deal with, but you also need to understand. I know how to handle myself. I know what I need. And when I need, I will ask when I don't, I will not. Right. And so I feel like for me, I'm not ready to put that much pressure on somebody because like dating is hard. It's so fucking hard because first of all, you have to get past the first date, which is like slaying a dragon for anybody, regardless of what your gender identity is. The first date is like slaying a dragon because you go out there and you are playing a role and you are never sure what the other person is thinking because you don't know their habits you don't know their twicks and their twitches and their things yet so you don't know like are they happy are they not happy and they go silent for two minutes and like everything in you shuts down because they're quiet so you're being quiet like you know what I mean it's it's a thing the first date is a fucking nightmare and then if you get to the second date you're still in nightmare mode because you're like you kind of want to relax but you're still tense because it's second date. You know what I mean? So when we're talking about branding and I'm coming to somebody and saying, look, I'm a loudmouth brown girl. I smoke weed. I swear I'm creative. My logo has a cannabis leaf and it has a joint. And these things are not technically possibly, maybe I'm not quite sure legal, I have heard branding experts go, nope, I refuse to work with you. It's too much work. Um, Now I'm using myself as as an example because I'm trying to get you business because I love you and I think you're amazing and I think everybody should hire you. But not everybody is going to want to hire you and you're not going to want to work with everybody. So I come to you and I say this. First date, how does it go? What do you tell me to make me want to buy you a steak dinner? (laughs) I love this question because when you started telling me about what your brand was, I'm like, I would love to date that, you know, like (laughs) I would love to hang out with you and work together with you because a lot of what people don't understand about branding 
is that there is no right or wrong answer about who you are. And it's not my job as the branding professional to say, no, that isn't your identity. I'm sorry, but whatever branding experts you're talking to, like, that's pretty stuck up for them to say that, like, they're not going to work with you because you already know who you are. Yeah. And, and that's totally just my own opinion, of course. And I come from the ballpark of saying that I might not always agree with my client's branding, you know, and, and that's totally okay. But as long as that is authentic to who you are and that is who you want to become, do it. Like, seriously, okay. the, the world will become a better place when we all step further into the identity that we're meant to own. And the world is a horrible place because a lot of people are holding back and because they're feeling all of this resentment that's super bottled up, they start lashing out at the people around them because they feel insecure and unfulfilled and unconfident. A lot of these other bad things happen. Addiction happens. People go through mental health struggles. It's because of all of this suppression. And when we all step further into loving and accepting our identities, I honestly feel like the world will become a better place. People will become kinder, more gentle, and more understanding. There will be less discrimination. Stereotyping will go down because there's not one bucket of people that are the same. Everyone has a different background, but we are all different as individuals. One yeah. Asian girl is different from the next Asian girl. One brown girl is different from the other brown girl, right? right. And so, I mean, there is no real pitch, but I feel like a lot of the work that I do involves helping people figure out exactly what that identity is if they're already not clear on it and figure out how to translate that into your marketing and just leverage that. There's nothing new we're creating here. Honestly, we're not making anything up. There's no magic sauce. There's nothing other than working with what you already have because each person's already special. All we have to do is really hone in on that, capture that, and then figure out what's the best way to translate that into your marketing. Does it mean that we have to tailor your language a little bit so that your tone is consistent on all of the channels, making sure you're speaking to the right people? Does it mean we have to tweak your visuals a little bit? So it's a little more professionally cleaned up. But the essence of it is, and I mean, I like to brag about the fact that all of my clients already bring the magic pixie dust with them when we start working. My job is just to teach them how to use it so that they can fly. There is oh, no magic sauce. Right. <laughs> I, love I love I love that because I think when we're talking about blogging, right? And what we're really talking about is men, women, trans, non-binary, lesbian, straight, whoever, black, white, Asian, Jewish, whoever you are, if you are a blogger, if that is your thing, there are two very distinct types. There are the hobby bloggers that are like, hey, this is what's going on with me, just want to keep a record. There are um, mommy bloggers that want to track their kids. There are wedding bloggers, but then there are like professional bloggers like myself, people who do speaking engagements, who write books, who are giving out advice, who are doing podcasts, who are doing branding, who are saying, this is how it's done. Um, yeah, we come with pixie dust. And yeah, there's a lot of magic that goes into what we do because at three o'clock in the morning, if you're still writing and coding and promoting and it looks good at nine o'clock in the morning, that's fucking magical because it doesn't always happen that often that you're smoking weed and drinking and actually creating great work that people want to keep reading. I think the last person that was able to do that was Hunter S. Thompson, and he was a lunatic. So when we're talking about professional blogging, we're talking 12, 15, 20, 30, 40 hours a week in writing, creating, and promoting your blog, right? And so when you can find somebody that can take that pixie dust and show you where to direct it in a way that helps bring money through the door and get your message across and shares more and more stories, I'm all for it. Like, let's do it. Let's figure yeah. out when we can work together. Um, because I know I'm not perfect, but I'm pretty, I know who I am. I'm pretty amazing. I think we can do some good work together. But I also think that if you're out there and you want to really take a go at blogging and sharing your story and writing books and being an author, somebody like Rachel is who you should be looking for. Thank you for that. I honestly feel like 
there's so much room for amazing work to be done when we allow ourselves to be open to just meeting new people. Yeah. And collaborations will come out of the weirdest and craziest places. You'll never expect it. And so thank you I, for I having have been in hundreds here. of Facebook groups, like hundreds. And the only one that I stick out is the one that we're in together. I will not tell you the name of the group. I refuse. I'm not giving you that much access to me. But what I will do is I will tell you that wherever you are, wherever you live, you should look for Facebook or networking groups that are in business or art or something that you are passionate about. Whether it's knitting, drawing, plumbing, whatever it is, look for groups that are in your niche, that are in your like hobby sector, in your fun sector. I joined this particular group because I wanted to cohort with other business owners. I wanted to learn. I wanted to teach. I wanted to see where I knew what I knew and what I where I needed to learn a little bit more of what I didn't know. And I have learned so much from Kendra, um, from you, from Marshall, from Tim, from Ben, from so many amazing people, all from the Lower Mainland or from Canada, some from around the world. Um, so look for groups where you can connect with people and work with people and collaborate and, and, and discuss and learn and meet. I think that's, yeah. I think the fact that we meet every week, um, adds a different element to our group because it allows for us to actually talk and communicate and, and share ideas. <laughs> Exactly. And everyone is just there to support each other. That's what I really appreciate because I've been a part of a million and one Facebook groups at this yeah. point. And it's very hard to find one that has a culture that is just right, where everyone is actually involved and invested in supporting each other. Yeah, I've been a part of some business Facebook groups where honest to God, people are just there to promote themselves. Like they drop in, they blast their stuff and then they leave. You know, it's it's the most annoying thing because what's the point of a group if you aren't mutually supporting each other? It's not supposed yeah. to just be a billboard. And yeah, the group that we're a part of, it's it's very rare. It's one of the only groups that I regularly check in with and hang out with. So it is, I, it is a uh, hidden gem. I felt gem. really bad this last year for like not being in the group. And then I was like, I'm writing a book. You can wait. <laughs> you need your you time. And sometimes we yeah. need to create that space for ourselves in order to do our work. And, you know, we live our life in seasons. We live our business. We live through our business in seasons. And so you had a season of working on your book and then now you're back. Right. And it's I will say, like though, it was, it was nice to be able to take that break and then be able to come back and know that everybody would be there or that people like new people are coming in, old people have, you know, are stopping by and, and visiting. And, and we're hearing from, I mean, barbecue sauce owners and fundraising companies and book dealers and like all like insurance, um, I don't know what the word is, insurance agents and branding experts. And so like, there's a little bit of everybody from different industries. And yet, usually whenever a question gets posed, because this is the way it works, we, we gather, we pose a question, people have the opportunity to, to get to know each other and then we answer the question. Um, usually everybody like in, in these kinds of people disagree, right? And we tend to sort of kind of agree with each other quite a bit in terms of like how we would approach certain things or how we would respond to certain challenges. Um, and even if we do disagree, it's always respectful. Yeah. And that is so rare to find. I honestly find that it's because the overall atmosphere is supportive because everyone has gone through a different set of life and business experiences. And whenever someone asks a question, everybody has been in the same boat, at least at some point before. So all we do is just offer from our own perspective and experience some helpful advice that might help the person who asked the question. And I think it's cool because it's not like some of those other groups where people feel this pressure to beef themselves up and seem more powerful and important they are. It's not one of those where everyone's just trying to seem super important. Everyone is very down to earth. And there are some pretty accomplished individuals 
in our there's group. There's some pretty where, cool people in that group. And I'm like, yeah. there are some days where like, I look at myself and I'm like, no, I can't with you people today because you were just so, there is um, almost a light from this group of people that I love so much. And some days it's just too damn bright. (laughs) I can't, I'm not going to, I'm going to just sit in my swiggies and just be, be by myself. But then there are other days where I'm like, I cannot believe that I'm getting this much education from these amazing people for free. Like I am so blessed and so lucky and I'm just so happy. Uh, Where can people find you on social media and why the hell are you not on Twitter? I actually am on Twitter, but none of my audience is, which totally makes me sad. But I hang out most of the time on Instagram. That's sort of my jam as a creative person. All my visuals are on there. I love to nerd out over stuff like that. My handle is the same across Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter and TikTok. If you choose to find me on those, I'm less on TikTok and Twitter, but I can be if people want to find me there. The handle is Rachel T Y Lee, spelled R A C H E L T Y L E E. And you could send me a message if you want to connect with me. I'd love to meet you guys. And if you have the opportunity to hire Rachel, I do do it. First of all, you're just fun to talk to. Like you, this is this is one of the funner interviews that I've been able to do because when when we do these podcasts, people get nervous and it's like, it's not the, as soon as the recording goes off, I'm like, where the fuck was this person for the last hour of my life? Like, where have you been? (laughs) And you just brought that person already. Like, I already know that like the after show part is going to be fun, but like, I've, I enjoy spending time with you and hearing from you and getting to know you. And I think you're a really fun person to be around. And I think when we're talking about doing online branding, you want to work with somebody that's fun because it's online work is exhausting and it can kill your brain. And when you're working with people that are fun and interesting to be around, it doesn't feel like work. And that makes your time more enjoyable. And I think that that is so powerful. It's a gift. So thank you for sharing that with us. You've been listening to Stay Lifted Sis. I am your host, Devin J. Hall. Rachel Lee, thank you so very much. Can you give us that Twitter name one more time? Yes, and thank you for having me. My handle across all the social media platforms is Rachel T.Y. Lee, spelled R-A-C-H-E-L-T-Y-L-E-E. And hope to see you there. And don't forget to check rachellee.com. I will put all the information in the show notes. And if you want to hear more from me, you can check me out at loudmouthbrowngirl.com. Thank you for listening. We love you. And don't forget to stay lifted, sis.